Hello curiosity seekers and adventurous thinkers. Welcome to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio, the podcast for the relentlessly curious. This season, our host and Applied Curiosity Lab's chief curiosity seeker, Becky Saltzman, will be sharing the studio with ACL's chief experience producer and favorite sister, Jennifer Felberg. The lens is, and always will be, curiosity. Each week, fun and formal conversations center around one delectable curiosity bite designed to give your brain the time and ideas to think about thinking, to flex your curiosity muscle, and maybe even revolutionize the way you think. In some ways, I'm grateful for one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. And that was when I was in graduate school taking a abnormal psychology symposium. And the professor there was an amazing storyteller, was completely psychotic, but was explaining the story of this medical student who was this woman about my age. He described her, sounded a lot like me. He described the classroom. And his lesson was about how psychosis, psychosis rather, are ego alien, meaning you don't know that they're happening to you. And that's one of the hallmarks of a psychotic diagnosis. And this woman had never had any kind of mental health disorder, never had had a psychotic break. She was in medical school. And all of a sudden, she got down on all fours in front of the classroom and started barking like a dog. She was completely unaware that she was doing it. And as I'm listening, I'm internalizing this. And this woman and this classroom And all of a sudden, I felt this cold sweat as I thought to myself, oh, my God, I'm barking like a dog in front of this classroom, but I just think I'm sitting in this seat. And my psychotic break, which is happening right now, is ego alien to me. So I understood the concept and I felt this like I was like dripping with sweat. And I had this idea that I should get up and get out of the classroom. But what if that idea was a bad idea? Because what if that meant that by thinking that I was barking like a dog, maybe I got up and maybe that would mean I would be doing something else. And I think this thought, this totally highly anxietized condition maybe lasted 30 seconds. It might've been a minute longer. I don't know. And pretty soon I could feel myself calming down. I could feel myself cold because my sweat was evaporating. I left the classroom. I bumped into some friends. My boyfriend at the time asked, you know, oh, about my day. And I was trying to explain to him about this. By this time, I still was feeling like I had been hit by a car, but I felt fine. And he laughed and I laughed, but I have never looked at mental illness in exactly the same way. And had I not had that experience, I don't think I would understand when people talk about anxiety or talk about depression, because before and since I have not suffered from anything that would be considered, thank God, a Mm. mental illness. And that brought me to the curiosity bite. Mm -hmm. Is it a mistake to confuse bad behavior with mental illness or put a different way, and then you weigh in on which you think is a better bite. Okay. What do we miss when we suggest that believing in bad ideas is the same as having a mental illness? I like the second one better. You do? Yeah, because I think if we're only focused on mental illness, there are other factors that contribute to bad ideas. Well, one has to do with bad behavior, and one has to do with bad ideas. Right. Right. Well, a lot of times bad ideas lead to bad behavior. I think if there wasn't freedom of speech, then we wouldn't even be able to know that people have bad ideas until they exhibit bad behavior. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, if you can talk about bad ideas in a public way and you are free to talk about bad ideas and espouse bad ideas, I think about like the Westboro Baptist Church, for example. Mm -hmm. And 
they're the people that go out with those signs that say, you know, homosexuality is an abomination. Mm -hmm. And they're God uh, sent the shooter. Right. That family of Mm -hmm. people. And they, one could argue, have bad ideas. And if they weren't, if there was no freedom of speech, they would not be able to, no one would know that they had those ideas because they're not out. I mean, they're they're holding signs, but that's all freedom of speech, freedom Mm -hmm. of petition. Mm -hmm. The woman who came out of the Westboro Baptist Church, she and her sister and her brother, because it's kind of a tight knit family. It's a These are smart people. Many of them have gone to law school. The guy who founded it was like a civil rights attorney. Really? Surprising. By any diagnostic measure, I think they'd be hard-pressed to be really diagnosed with a mental illness as a result of their petitioning. They just believe Believe in a bad idea. Yeah, they believe in it. And if we didn't have our freedom of speech, we wouldn't know that. You know, you think about people who think that they're going to die and go to heaven and have all these virgins, you know, whatever. That's maybe a bad idea, but does a belief in a bad idea like that is it mental illness? Is it mental illness? Or religion? Or if you go so far to the religion, wackadoodle magical thinking, <laughs> it then becomes a mental illness. I mean, clearly, mental illness and the way we think about it is problematic. I mean, if you go to the doctor, you went to the doctor a couple of weeks ago and you came back and I said, oh, what they say? If you had come back and said, I have a physical illness. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, what? Well, what is it? What do you have? <laughs> but you would, but people describe themselves, or other people, as having mental illness. Right. Maybe it's equally ridiculous to talk about mental illness as it would be to talk about physical illness. Oh, I think so. Absolutely. I mean, I, as you know, have uh, depression, clinical depression, helped by medication. I do not have schizophrenia or any of the... And they don't even look anything. the same. I don't even have anxiety. So, and I don't, yeah, it's not the same at all. So saying that you have a mental illness would be like saying that someone who has cancer has a physical illness in the same way as someone who has diabetes. Right. I mean, I have a broken toe. (laughs) Right. It's the same as having cancer. Yeah. Yeah. You're suggesting that, and I agree, that your diagnosis of depression has as much in common with schizophrenia as diabetes has in common with a broken toe. Exactly. Although diabetes might have more in common with a broken toe because when you really- Oh yeah. Right? Or a a diabetes has with cancer. Yes. Better still. The Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, DSM, that's the guide published by the American Psychiatric Association that explains all the symptoms, but it's really a way to charge the pharmaceutical, uh, sorry, charge the uh, insurance companies and for the pharmaceutical companies to make medication. Mm -hmm. That's always been an arm wrestle. The DSM has always been an arm wrestle between the pharmaceutical companies who want bad ideas to be classified as mental illness and the insurance companies who don't. Oh, because if bad behavior can be classified as a mental illness, then they have to cover it. Then the the insurance companies have to cover it and they can make medication to treat it. Yes. The other commonly used diagnostic guideline is the International Classification of Diseases from the World Health Organization. And these are the two, the DSM and the ICD are the two that determine coverage and benefits to reimburse mental health professionals. Seems like the system is just out to make it worse. Like Lyme disease is a perfect example of something that is argued that if you can't test for it, if the test for Lyme disease doesn't show that it's positive, then it's not covered and you can't be treated. But then other Lyme disease specialists say that Lyme disease should be treated by clinical observation. Mm. Well, that gets back to the ideas. If you can only diagnose mental health disorders, mental illnesses, 
by clinical observation versus some kind of test where, as with cancer or diabetes, you can do a test. Mm -hmm. I think that that is what makes it tougher. There are two major mental health disorders that are completely associated with bad behavior. Bad behavior meaning like violence or are we skirting around the gun issue maybe a little or? No, we'll get to that. Yeah. Let's start with bad behavior. So if you think about bad, what is bad behavior? Maybe behavior that attracts widespread disapproval or the behavior that harms other people Mm -hmm. or others. Violence. Yeah. Violence or, well, so the two mental health disorders that are associated with bad behavior exclusively are conduct disorder and antisocial personality disorder. (laughs) So aggression to people and animals, Mm -hmm. destruction of property, deceitfulness or theft, serious violation of rules. Well, what rules? Aha. (laughs) Did I strike something? Well, the rules of society change. So if you are looking at what constitutes a bad idea, time is the thumb on the scale. It used to be a whole bunch of things were considered bad ideas, and Ooh. now they're good ideas. Great segue into my list. You have your list already? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, this is a uh, bad idea. I-, I titled it, Bad Ideas Led to Interesting Illnesses. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. It does have to do with the timing of things and history and how it all worked out. Hopefully, we've gotten better at diagnosing it, and I hope we get better at it. The first one, it's actually the first two have to do with slavery. And the first one was when they had the idea of showing dissatisfaction. Who had the idea? The slaves. Oh, the slaves had the yeah. idea of the, the audacity to show that they had dissatisfaction with what they were doing. They were diagnosed with drapetomania, the disease of the mind. And if you were a slave and you were slipping away into what they called the Negro consumption, then you were diagnosed with this illness. All right. So the bad idea of disliking slavery was the symptom for the diagnosis of this mental health disorder. Right. Exactly. Okay. (laughs) Tell me what it was called again. Drapetomania. If you're sulky, then you have a mental illness. If you're sulky as a slave. Yeah. And then there's another one that has to do with slavery. And that's actually when it started to become, you started to see freedom and- and The audacity of the idea of freedom. Yeah. The slaves started having this idea of freedom and that's a possibility. So they decided to hinder their master's work. They would start stealing or breaking equipment, abusing animals or cutting up the crops that they were attending. And that was something that was definitely a mental disorder. How dare you start thinking that there's a possibility that you can get out? And they call that, if I can say it, here I go again. (laughs) Here we go. It's called dysathesia athiopecia. That sounds like hair loss. <laughs> I know. I kind of thought of that. Dysatia setha hastopecia yeah. is when slaves had the audacity to of the idea of freedom and started sabotaging their mm-hmm. captivity. Yes. That's a better way of saying it. Okay. And the slave owners believed that they needed to keep a stronger hold on them to keep them on the straight and narrow path out of drink and stay focused on their work so that they can keep them from having this mental illness. Very dangerous, this mental yes. illness. I mean, particularly be- to people you own and you want to keep <laughs> under your thumb. Exactly. Wow. Another one is when women decided to feel that they, may- they had the idea that they were equal to men. What? Yeah. 
It was ridiculous. This is an idea that clearly is indicative of a mental mental illness. Absolutely. And they started to feel more intelligent, more liberated. And so they started doing things that showed signs of a very serious illness. And that was called female hysteria. Oh, my God. And Mm -hmm. what was the problem with female hysteria? Well, I mean, obviously, there was something wrong with these women when they made that decision to feel uh, intelligent and liberated. Wow. Yeah. Which goes along with the next one has to do with women as well, that they had this horrible idea (gasps) that could lead to an illness. And that was reading. Reading? Reading. Reading what? Mysteries could really lead to underdeveloped ovaries. (gasps) (laughs) Yes. Reading mysteries. The idea of reading mysteries could lead not just to the mental illness, to the physical illness of underdeveloped yeah. ovaries. Oh, yes. And paranormal romance could make you insane and lose IQ points. Lose IQ points? Yeah. What was the name of this mental illness? <laughs> it's called the chronic novel reader. <laughs> well, <laughs> The dangers of novel reading. Well, I think grandma has that. <laughs> so she, she reads ha- the she has the dangers of reading only novels with metallic covers <laughs> which means throbbing bodices and <laughs> sexual well this could lead to inappropriate ideas and could include things and could cause things like brain and eye damage a degeneration of the nervous system history buffs called it female depravity and moral decay and even can cause early death Oh, my God. Yeah. Early death from novel. What was it? Novel reading syndrome? The chronic novel reader. This is the this is the issue with mm-hmm. ideas that lead to mental illness. Yep. I wanted to add the idea of homosexuality. That is an idea. And a lot of people until very recently, and I think a lot of people even now believe that it is a mental illness. Well, it was in the DSM up until recently. I mean, in our lifetime, it was in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual as a mental illness. And this is where the whole idea of behavior and ideas gets kind of weird. And now there is this idea of a mass shooter syndrome Mm. and that this is indicative of a mental illness. In the wake of the El Paso, Texas shooting and the Dayton, Ohio shooting, Trump cited mentally ill monsters as the source of violence. And he suggested, we must reform our mental health laws to better identify mentally disturbed individuals who may commit acts of violence and make sure that these people not only get treatment, but when necessary, involuntary confinement. Mental illness and hatred pulls the trigger, not the gun. There are people who completely take this we need to focus on mental health mental illness as the and the treatment of mental illness to prevent gun violence and then there are people who take the opposite end who say that there is no correlation between mental illness and violence or gun violence now there is a lot of evidence that there are correlations between violence and psychotic illnesses sure but i think there might be more things that contribute to that because you have psychotic illness if you have psychotic illness 
there's tendencies to have certain things happen in your life that can contribute to violence. So you don't know where it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg. Right. There's a couple of things I would think about with this. Number one, if we lump all mental illness together, then one could probably make a case that every mass shooter has some kind of mental illness, whether it started with being bullied or it started that you were bullied because you had a bad personality and that <laughs> bad personality was indicative of mental health disorder or you have schizophrenia and you think people are you're paranoid and you think people are out to get you. So you shoot a bunch of people. The harm of lumping all mental illness together is that, yes, you could see that every mass shooter Every homeless person has some kind of mental illness, even maybe light anxiety or light depression. But if you deny that, what are you denying? I mean, if you say mental illness has nothing to do with it, is that as inaccurate as saying that it has everything to do with it? It's never black and white. Studies show that mental illness, and again, that is a huge spectrum, does not cause violence. But I, like I was saying, that I think that there are contributing factors that happen, that can happen to you. And a lot of times people with mental illness experience those things, like a history of violence or substance abuse, things like that can cause violence. Because we don't have a way to take a blood test and diagnose a mental illness, it's all clinical and all observational. Mm -hmm. We are observing with society's current eyeballs. And that's why back in the day, women who had the audacity to read novels or slaves who had the audacity to try to overcome their confinement or their slavery, those were people that were diagnosed as having mental illness. Right. It's not to suggest that there are not some behaviors in society that need to be separated from the rest of us, but we don't know what it came from. We don't know that a history of being bullied and psychologically abused can lead to schizophrenia or not. We really don't know that. We mm -mm. There are certain studies, but we don't know it. There are hypotheses. As a matter of fact, I wonder, and I didn't look into this, but assume that mental health disorders were equally distributed in different populations in different countries. Mm. similar to this country. Now, it may be that these behaviors or ideas are diagnosed with this thing or that thing, but just, just assume that across all countries, the prevalence of bipolar disorder, the prevalence of schizophrenia, the prevalence of depression was somewhat similar. Then you could say, okay, are the levels of gun violence also somewhat similar? And then you could start drawing a parallel. But if, in fact, mental illness is similarly distributed in other countries, but gun violence is not, then you would really need to separate out the two and look at these as separate issues. And that's why conflating bad ideas with mental illness is dangerous, whether you're looking at it as an issue of gun violence and how to solve that, looking at the issue of homelessness and how to solve that. There are a lot of religious bad ideas. Yeah. Think about the idea of a heretic or kafir or infidel, which is the medieval Catholic term. And those were not just outsiders, but those were morally suspect and often seen as less than fully human. So these were people who were considered mentally ill back in the day, <laughs> heretics. In the Torah, the slaves taken from among outsiders didn't have the same protections as Hebrew slaves. <laughs> those who don't believe in a God are corrupt, doers of a 
abominable deeds. And Islam teaches the concept of, I can't remember how it's pronounced, but it's like demutuda. <laughs> I'm pronouncing it you like You sound a, like me. I know, I do. Provide special rules for the subjugation of religious minorities with monotheists getting better treatment than polytheists. Christianity, they blur together the concept of the unbeliever and the evildoer. Ultimately, heretics were considered a threat that needed to be neutralized by conversion, conquest, isolation, domination, or in some cases, mass murder. She's just an evil woman with, with evil, evil on, on her mind. mind. She's just the devil woman. She's, She's gonna, gonna get, get you from behind. <laughs> was it, behind. Wasn't it from behind? <laughs> I thought it I was. Even, I think you're right. I thought it was devil woman. I think it's both. I think oh. they say she's just a devil woman with evil on her mind. Beware of devil woman. She's going to get you from behind. <laughs> yeah. Holy war, glorified suffering, martyrdom, genital mutilation. Ooh. But some people refer to circumcision yeah. as genital mutilation. Yeah. Stoning people, capital punishment, burning people at the stake. Ooh. Ritual sacrifice. Ooh. When Barclay was in Israel, he actually went to the Samaritans. Where were they? They were in, somewhere in the West Bank. So across the Green Line, somewhere in the West Bank, the Samaritans. And they have had this ritual animal sacrifice celebration, annual celebration. And he got to go. I have a few more on my list, but these are pretty funny. If you were environmentally friendly. What? If you made choices to help our Mother Earth. You mean the idea that Mother Earth needs to be yes. protected? You might get you might get an illness. What would it be? It was called wind turbine syndrome. That's you're talking about it as if it doesn't still exist. It still must be a very dangerous illness. Tell it me is, about it. And and you must beware. And it's when the the wind turbines would be blamed for blurred vision, <laughs> nausea, <laughs> panic attacks, insomnia. Horrible headaches. Nina Pierpont was the one that dubbed wind turbines syndrome. And was she, she a was doctor? a doctor. She was a pediatrician. And interestingly enough, she was married to an anti-wind power activist. <laughs> that was just that was just a coinky. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I had anything to do with the actual illness. Wind turbine syndrome. Yes. Oh my so god. So stay away from those kinds of solutions or ideas because that can cause <laughs> wind turbine syndrome. And then my favorite idea <laughs> is drinking alcohol, in particular absinthe. Have you ever had absinthe? Oh, yeah. When we were in Japan, there was this little alley in the Shinjuku district. And I think it was, where's that? Is it Lost in Translation? What's the oh, famous What's the famous movie that takes place kind of in the dark alleys of Japan? Yeah. What is it? I can't remember. Is that with Bill Murray? Yes, 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 yes. I think it was Lost in Translation. I could be wrong. So we found this alley. And outside of this alley was this sign. And it was an absinthe bar. And you go down, 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 down into the bowels and i remember initially i was with a bunch of other people and steven and i said i'm going down there so i went down of and then did. of course and it was all kind of kitschy with skeletons you know skulls and Ew, whatever like on alley. it was and i that was the first time i had tried absinthe now absinthe was illegal in most of europe and in the united states for over a hundred years mm -hmm. actually until recently i mean it's been since when we were initially of age to drink, it was still illegal. So it's huh. been like in the recent times. That's because of the wormwood? Or yes, I think it was. It was, I think, thujone or something. It was a toxic chemical found in edible plants. Hmm. And what wormwood, I think, was one of them, tarragon and sage. And it was dangerous because 
Tarragon it, is very dangerous. Well, also, it was really, really high alcohol content. Yeah, baby. Which, which <laughs> we call it get her done. <laughs> get her done. Liquid yeah, get, get her, her done. done. And it caused hallucinations and people suggested psychoses. Well, and they called it absinthism. It's an ism. It's an ism. And it could cause seizures and, like you said, hallucinations, brain damage, but most importantly to know, esophageal cancer. Well, that's like a <laughs> legitimate thing. Does it really cause esophageal cancer, though? If we put a list of all the isms that we are contending with, I feel like we're contending with more isms in, at least in our lifetimes now than ever before. There are so many isms. And these isms all reflect ideas. And some of these ideas taken to the extreme seem to kind of in a Venn diagram overlap with what we would consider a mental illness. We just, I think we just need to stop calling it a mental illness and start specifically saying what the illness is. I have my idea, which I think could be potentially psycho, which is that let we me are... call a doctor in right now. Okay, you know what my idea is, right? My religion. I forget. <laughs> what is your religion? Okay, I'm afraid you, to ask. You... What if I catch it? What <laughs> if it's contagious? Actually, it is. Oh, I believe that we are all bacteria as bitches. Oh. You know that. Yeah. So oh my what... God, you've gotten crazy. Like you've become more zealot. I become a bacteria bitches zealot. Yeah, you really have. I know because I think that bacteria affects so much of our physical and mental, so much of how we feel and how we think and so many of what we consider mental illness, we will find to have a bacterial component. And people talk about nature and nurture, but bacteria actually changes us genetically. So if you are exposed to bacteria and you say, okay, well, that was just an exposure, you would traditionally have thought of that as nurture, right? Mm -hmm. Something, your environment. Mm -hmm. But if it's modifying your genetic structure, which there is plenty of evidence that bacteria does, then is it nature or nurture? And the idea of this is insane. I mean, when I try to talk to some of these doctors about Lyme disease, as we have a family member with Lyme disease, mm -hmm. I have to acknowledge that there are wackadoodle-doo conspiracy theorists on one end, and mm -hmm. there are doctors who really don't know enough about it on the other end of the spectrum. And trying to navigate somewhere in a lane of wisdom requires acknowledgement of both because otherwise you're either just dismissed as a wackadoodle-doo or it's suggested that you just don't believe the latest and greatest because it's considered alternative. Mm -hmm. So my religion of we are bacteria's bitches is seen as crazy by a lot of people. The more I read about superbugs, the more I understand these, we are mostly bacteria. Yeah. and water, my idea could be seen as crazy. I mean, it really could be seen as crazy. And if I told everyone how much I believe that it contributes to every thought we have, bacteria contributes to every thought we have, every bit of depression and anxiety, cancer, anything genetic, I think people would think that that was crazy. So sometimes I keep my ideas to myself because... <laughs> I know that that's a shocker. I think anybody that knows you would not believe that. Yeah. If you only knew that what I share as my ideas is a subset of what is going <laughs> on. Help you. <laughs> <laughs> but that it's is called bukestitis. Bukestitis. Okay. But what are we going to call? Because you know, we're going to talk more about bacteria on this podcast. Oh, God. I know we are. Okay. Especially so, as you read more and more and more and more. Or as getting... I come out of the closet as a, yeah. as a what? 
someone suffering from what mental illness? Bucitis. No. It has to be bacteria because you mean anyone who believes that we're bacteria. You're the guru. You're like you're like uh, the Rajneesh Parab. No, not what's his name, but Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. You are Bucitis. I'm the Ocho. 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 What's it? Numero Ocho. <laughs> Numero Ocho. The Hefe. The Hefe of the bacteria. Sri Sri Brigade. <laughs> Bogwan Bukesty's Bacteria Brigade. (laughs) All right. And this leads me to the sort of fact. 58% of people who believe that mental illness pulls the trigger on mass shootings suffer from (laughs) hygiapuperia of the blowhole. (laughs) (laughs) Hygiapuperia of the blowhole. (laughs) I think we could do a better one. No, I think uh, that's good. You take the good, you take the okay, bad, you take okay. them both, okay. and there you have the facts of life. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Before you take off, I have a few more things to let you know about. One, you can find show notes for every episode of ACLR and links to all resources mentioned at applycuriositylab.com forward slash blog. It's there that we'll wait to read your answers to each week's Curiosity Bite. Two, in order to avoid missing curiosity-bitten conversations, subscribe to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and all the other spots that podcasts hang out and wait to be discovered. Toss up a review, especially if you have nice things to say. Finally, all things apply curiosity, including information on workshops and your free membership to the Tribe of the Curious, go to ApplyCuriosityLab.com. In the meantime, elevate curiosity.